Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone. My name is Manpreet and welcome to Through the Noise. Now, over the past week, U.S. bond markets have been quite a big area of focus with the benchmark 10-year yield uh, approaching very, very close to the 5% level. Um, I came across one interesting chart in my readings that illustrated that if you look at the bond U.S. Treasury bond market, um, you know, total returns um, and put that in a long perspective, what we've experienced past year to year and a half has been one of the worst, if not the worst uh, bond market, uh, uh, bear market. Uh, It's going back all the way to the 1920s. Um, So we live in interesting times. And, uh, you know, to discuss that and, of course, what to make of the Israel-Gaza conflict, we're joined by Audrey Goh, who's head of Asta Allocation and a familiar voice to many of you. So, welcome, Audrey. Uh, you know, Treasury yields, let's, let's talk about that first. Uh, you know, do you believe uh, yields can rise further or are we at a turning point for Treasury yields? And, and what exactly does that mean from a portfolio allocation perspective? Well, thanks, Manfred. So the 10 indicators that we monitor, such as those on investor diversity, uh, relative momentum, uh, those does suggest that we might be close to a turning point for bond use and for global markets. Um, From a data perspective, uh, if you look at US growth, it continued to look very, very resilient. The US retail sales this week, for example, was much stronger than expected. And initial jobless claim also fell to a nine-month low. Uh, So certainly this this sustained strength that we are seeing in the U.S. economic data has contributed to the surge in U.S. bond yields and the U.S. dollar in recent months. However, if we look at it from a policy perspective, um, developed market central banks may be close to taking a pause in their rate hiking cycle in our view. So we do not expect the Fed to hike rates any further this year as we believe that growth is likely to slow in the coming quarters, uh, given that you know the tightening following the, the 525 basis point of rate hike since March last year, as well as the latest surge in bond use does tighten monetary conditions. And if we were to look at Fed Chair Powell's latest comments as well, uh, he also suggested that the recent bond use surge has also lessened the need uh, for further rate hikes, supporting our peak rates view. So against that backdrop, uh, in terms of portfolio allocation, uh, we do continue to favour the developed market government bonds, where yields looks pretty attractive, and historically, the US 10-year bond yield also tend to peak with the Fed rates. Um, so if the US 10-year bond yield, say, peaks above 5%, then to us, the next major resistance will probably be close to about 5.25%, which is just below a light, the likely uh, peak uh, Fed policy rate. So after the recent uh, surge that we have seen, yields on the benchmark U.S. government bond index will have to rise by over 90 basis points from here in order for bonds to deliver negative returns over the next 12 months. Therefore, from a risk-reward perspective, uh, we do find developed market government bonds pretty attractive uh, despite some near-term volatility. Um, now, in terms of equities, the S&P 500 index has failed to break above the convergence of its 50 days and 100 days uh, average, uh, moving average resistances for the last couple of weeks. Although net-net is still remain above the long-term 200 days moving average in terms of technicals. So in our view, uh, we do believe that we would likely need to see a pullback somewhat in the US 10-year bond yield, as well as a decisive reversal in the US dollar for global equities, as well as the broader emerging markets uh, to recover. So from an equity perspective, we do have a core allocation or neutral allocations to it. 
Now, you spoke about the Israel, uh, the, the Gaza conflict earlier. So in order to hedge against a potential escalation in the Israel-Gaza conflict, as well as potential upside risk, say, in bond use as well, uh, we would also advocate investors to add some exposure to, say, the energy sector as well as the defense sector uh, equities and, of course, gold. And in terms of gold, uh, we see the next resistance at around 19, uh, uh, 1,990 and then followed by around 2,000 level. Thanks, Audrey. Uh, quite a, a, a lot of insights there to digest from a from multi-asset portfolio perspective. But diving a little bit into another asset class, emerging market local currency bonds. Uh, they're not directly linked to, to dollar bond yields. Uh, but what's your view on this asset class, um, you know, given the, the turbulence we've seen on the dollar bond market side? So emerging market local currency government bonds, um, they have been hurt by the recent surge in bond yields as well as uh, the stronger US dollar. Um, but despite so, the spreads against US government bond yield, which is typically a measure of credit risk, has actually further compressed. Uh, so we do expect the EM local currency bonds, uh, government bonds in this case, uh, to have a relatively you know decent probability to outperform over the next uh, 6 to 12 months, given our expectations in terms of policy easing in the EM. So some emerging markets, for example, in Brazil, Chile, Hungary, for example, uh, they have already started cutting policy rates as inflation pressure has eased. And we do expect more emerging market central banks to actually join the pack. Uh, and most central banks uh, across the board actually have pretty high uh, real policy rate, which means that there is actually plenty of rooms uh, for rate cuts in our view. And if we look at overall EM economic growth, um, that is likely to remain uh, resilient over the coming uh, year. Um, consensus uh, expect EM economies to grow by around 4% uh, year-on-year in 2024. And this positive macro uh, backdrop, in our view, could also help improve the sovereign credit matrix and thereby sustaining the spread compression that we are seeing today. And then last but not least, uh, certainly a dollar. We do expect a weaker dollar as well. And a weaker dollar generally bodes well for EMFX. And under our central scenario of a weaker US dollar, uh, EM, we, we do expect EMFX to strengthen and that would, that would then add to the prospects uh, for positive returns when it comes to EM local currency bonds. Okay, and then maybe moving over to the equity side, the key event that's kicked off, of course, is the U.S. quarter three earnings season. Um, I know it's still early days, but you know, what are you observing as interesting, particularly from the financial sector that has started to report? So we have seen over a third of the financial sector reporting so far, uh, and collectively the sector delivered around a uh, 9.8% positive earnings surprise. So high interest rates, uh, loans growth, continue to support net interest income. While at the same time, if you think about the provisions or the loss provisions made by the banks, uh, they were not as bad as feared. Uh, then in terms of capital market as well as investment banking advisory fees, uh, those were soft as expected given the volatile markets that we have seen uh, through the last uh, two quarters. Uh, if you think about forward-looking outlook, um, banks' uh, management actually sounded a little bit more cautious in their outlook given their expectation that uh, net interest income will likely come under pressure as the banks gradually adjust to paying higher rates to depositor. And not only that, uh, there are also weakness in the office uh, commercial real estate sector that's also becoming more apparent as valuation appraisal weakens. So loan loss for the segments is climbing and there are expectations of potentially more to come. So overall, um, the sense we get is banks are responding with strategic action to control their expenses heading into 2024. So more of a cautious outlook, really control expense in an environment of a really, uh, pretty uncertain macro backdrop. Uh, 
Um, another concern for banks has been on the impact of rising yields in terms of potential losses in the bank's uh, bonds portfolio. So among the larger banks, um, this risk appears to be largely contained given that potential losses look unlikely to be realized given that these bonds comprises mainly of uh, US government bonds which are expected to be fully repaid as long as the banks can hold them to maturity. So net-net, we have a neutral view when it comes to US financials and we expect the sector to perform in line with the broader markets, uh, US equity markets over the next 6 to 12 months. Okay, um, I think that's all we have time for today, so we'll end it there. Um, thanks so much, Audrey, for your time. I think that uh, you know was definitely an interesting conversation. If I can, as always, maybe sum up my top takeaways. Um, first thing that comes across quite strongly, of course, is the opportunity in high-quality government bond deals, um, where the bond deal itself, of course, now offering quite a sizable buffer um, against a further short-term rise in bond deals. I think that's the first opportunity that came through. Second, of course, uh, potential hedges against an escalation in the Middle East conflict, um, energy sector equities in the U.S. and gold, of course, being two candidates uh, as, as specific hedges against that. And third, of course, emerging market local currency bonds potentially offering another um, opportunity, uh, you know, somewhat away from U.S. dollar bond markets alone. So. Those are sort of my top three takeaways. Um, thank you, listeners, for taking the time to join us today. Um, we hope you found it interesting, and we look forward to speaking with you again next week. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details, visit Market Views on the Go on our website or click the link in the description.